All you have to do is listen to the DJ and do everything on the record that he plays. On all the grocery lists of two days in proper, but I pencil the basic math. I found the more college radio spins and more PR work equal a happy rapper. But I'm considered weird, I take a rap about it. Anti matter, it's happy matter, I should be interviewed. So, what do you think about these? Oh, when they ask me easy questions, I don't get the easy thing to answer. Why I give an extra word of a black panther to a bunch of pink panthers? I think faster, I sync rappers in the sea of preparation, but the records are still in their shrink wrapper. DJs run towards your hummocard door, cause I pace them north to reside in a cardboard box and pen my pen to send my friend my test press. Cause I'm not a winner, bitty rap. I don't have a chance to get into some few spins I'll probably sell another amoeba and I'll find it in the used bin I don't need to ask if I'm in your record paper Second rate and unlistenable Cause I'm attractive to the final whore At the listening station, we're listening station Minecraft that you cannot buy no more Ignore me, I'm your hip-hop dinosaur I'm just a player in the game with a visitor It's 100 home 20 as the final score And blood OGs are considered to be old fogies 30 plus out of touch and not the white boy powder puff How is this? Cause this shit's not in a major chain on aisle 6 Able to be ordered at a mouse click My hardcore grit never is a store pick Before I take this out in D minor And this was on the headliner's hospitality rider I wanna let you know a thing about me I'm not your typical jiggy rapper and to the sister Doesn't know why DJ won't pick my disc My music can be a little overbearing But the record industry is undergoing a grand system glitch No more glitz and glam but an explicit jam That can withstand at the test of time A rare find that'll take off like an airline Something that the DJ will play ten times in a row So play that shit DJ Play that shit DJ Just play it for me
Here we are, Skull Funk Radio Volume 15, if you can believe it or not. And I am your host, Food One, a.k.a. the interdimensional Barney Miller detective. Figuring out, investigating various funk grooves, various vinyl necessities. What am I talking about right now? I don't know. It's going to work out. It's okay. Man, um, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Dame Funk up in here, 2009. Keep your hood pass intact from his double album to each zone. Love me some Dame Funk. Good guy. Got to know him, become friendly with him while when I lived in L.A. Seeing him at various gigs, various shows, always a good time. Um, you know, when you meet someone that's that big of a uh, Prince fanatic, I'm, I'm going to get along with that person. It's all going to work out. Uh, Z-Trip with Bus Driver before that. Take two copies from uh, Zach's Shifting Gears record, 2005. Check that out if you get a chance. I was able to do the art for the uh, gatefold vinyl uh, insert, you know, on the, on the record. Um, kind of a nightmare dealing with Hollywood records. Uh, I met Z Trip in 97 when I moved to Arizona, and uh, we've been friends ever since then. He got a major label deal with Hollywood, which is owned by Disney. So he made this record for them and then, you know, uh, dealt with a bunch of bullshit. I was doing this art uh, for, the, for the record and it had, um, basically it was an image and illustration of his whole career trajectory from growing up in New York and going to Arizona. And we had references and nods to like uh, the founding fathers of hip hop and Run DMC and people wearing shirts that said like public enemy and all this shit and hollywood records like made me change all this stuff you know there was all these notes and corporate interference so kind of a weird experience but um zach got the the deal and put the record out it it didn't the record didn't do much and uh he kind of got out of his contract and um He's basically known, you know, as one of the greatest crowd-rocking live DJs ever. And I had the distinct honor and pleasure of being on stage with this dude every single week. I moved to Arizona and met this cat, DJ Emil, this crazy Armenian dude. We had this kind of, you know, Middle Eastern connection and... I went to one of his nights and his cousin saw me drawing in the corner of this bar and I didn't really know anyone at the time and she brought me over to meet Emil and was like, this dude's dope, he's an artist, you gotta meet Emil, he's my cousin. So Emil invites me out to, to see him perform with this guy Z-Trip, this guy Radar, Bomb Shelter DJs and the rest is history. I mean, these guys were like a three-man DJ crew on the level of um, Beat Junkies or Invisible Scratch Pickles, um, that like late, mid mid to late 90s vibe. Um, real turntablism, real Technique 1200s, mixers, 
countless crates of records and just destroying it. I mean, kind of beyond description, the, the level of talent and skill that these guys had. And they saw me, they saw my art basically, and were like, hey, we have, you know, the number one weekly event in Arizona, basically, uh, Mission Control at Nita's Hideaway every Thursday night. Why don't you come down and paint live on stage with us? And I, of course, said yes, not knowing what I was getting myself into, but I figured, fuck it, just dive right in head first and go for it. And we would bring these like eight foot tall sheets of plywood down, put them up on the stage, paint them. I had different artists who would join me on stage and um, it would basically just turn into a huge drunken, crazy party. Uh, but every weekend I saw these guys basically make history in a way, you know, it was just, there's just nothing else like it. And Zach was kind of the standout leader of the crew. He was, he was kind of like the all around um, complete DJ package of being a experienced professional record digger, knowing what tracks to play, knowing exactly how to manipulate and control a crowd without hesitation knowing when to scratch, when to show off the technical skills. And he could also produce, he could also make music. So he, he, had, he had like the triple crown and beyond as far as skill goes. And he kind of went on to massive, you know, fame and fortune and um, him and DJ P out of the Midwest basically created the mashup, which turned into kind of, you know, a bad word, kind of a cheesy thing. But um, in 97, you know, I was on stage with this guy. Like, I had never heard anyone mix, like, Ze like Led Zeppelin with um, Kraftwerk or whatever. You know, he was, he was just doing things that I had never seen or heard before. It was just like a complete new thing, exciting thing. And uh, him and P put out this record called Uneasy Listening. And I went to his studio one night. He played it for me before he released it. And I just sort of looked at it and was like, this is, this is like music history. This is uh, a game changing uh, thing. I don't even know how to describe it, you know? And they put this record out, it was a mashup record of all this crazy, insane shit, you know? And the record completely blew up and, and sold out and record stores around the world. And um, that's the thing that got Zach the major label deal. And, um, you know, he he's still out there, still crushing it, still bringing it. He became LL Cool J's DJ and, uh, I don't know, I could talk about him forever. We're, we're super tight, man. He's one of my brothers. I love the guy and uh, we still talk. I see him a couple times a year. When I can catch him spinning live, I always do. If you have an opportunity to check him out, definitely do it. Um, next level skills, next level shit going on. That's what I love, man. I love when people just bring it on that level. Um, but yeah, Zach, love you, buddy. Hope you're doing well. I'll see you soon. Uh, we started off the whole show with Rock Creek Park 
just a legendary funk groove from the Blackbirds, one of my absolute favorites. Um, that's a record digger's delight right there, man. That so many bits and pieces of that track have been sampled for uh, various things throughout the years, but um, you cannot fuck with the original Rock Creek Park. B-boys and B-girls on the dance floor doing their thing. Um, let's continue to do our thing, man. Let's stay in the mix. I'll talk to you soon.
Measures in a tail so tragic, follow formula 6-4 As you trail my tracks, bitch, there's nothing more pleasant than getting paid on point Pretty bitches with gold grills just to roll my joints, I make them clean As the director says, see, new ones don't say my name I just make them say king, four rings on that motherfucking wood brain wheel Raw, I'm Johnny Law, the chick should check my appeal Once upon a time, not too far back There was a young wolf pack that grew up in a lack Sid left king and ace big blackjack Bitches be talking shit, that's how you end up smacked I'm after chips and if we eat then I'm after you bitch And ain't no cost for tipping player, you should be after the risk We winning like they ain't no other way to play the game All I hang around is zeros, figure my checks should look the same, uh
That is a stone groove, baby. Uh, I want to say thanks off the bat before I forget uh, everyone who showed love and bought or ordered my new sketchbook, Supernaut. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm filling the orders. Things have already been shipped out. Uh, there's a deluxe package. There, The book is still available, jimmafu.com, if you want to score it. And uh, I'll also be at Emerald City Con that's coming up. Um, when is that? Fuck, that's like next weekend, March 14th through the 17th. I'm in Artist Alley, table B10. Come by and check that out. The weekend after that, C2E2, March 22nd and 24th, I'll be in Artist Alley as well, table C10. So come by, show some love, give a high five, let's, let's do it. Uh, man, what is happening? Ohio Players 1972 Pride and Vanity from the Pleasure album. You cannot ever go wrong with Ohio Players. I would highly recommend their entire catalog of music. You can work to it. You can enjoy life to it. You can make sweet love. You can make love to Ohio Players. <laughs> Get those candles out. The incense, special oils, a thick carpet that you lay down on the floor with you and your partner. Maybe you've met a new friend, a new person that you want to share some excitement with. A random weirdo on Tinder. You never know. People are going to get into the Ohio players' steez that you throw out. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work out for you. The internet before that, 2011, Lincoln, man. Rolling deep in the Lincoln Continental. Purple Naked Ladies is the album. You want that one in your collection. The internet's fucking awesome. LA represent. Can't go wrong with the whole, uh, you know, future primitive crew. <laughs> Odd future, I'm sorry. Future Primitive. God, my mind is stuck in a late 90s groove right now. Um, Odd Future. You know those kids. You know them. Ziggy Marley started off the whole set. Make some music from the Love Is My Religion album. Ziggy, my homeboy, my buddy. I uh, had the distinct pleasure of working with him and his family in 2010 on the Marijuana Man original graphic novel that Image Comics uh, published, written by Joe Casey, drawn and lettered by myself, and colored by Justin Stewart, AKA Dr. Pastrami. And man, what a crazy, fun, bizarre gig to be involved in. In 2010, I just got a totally random email from this cat named Tom Martin, who is the Marley's neighbor up in the Hollywood Hills in LA. Um, I didn't really know it at the time, but Tom is a world famous, legendary Hollywood designer. This dude designed the movie poster for Jurassic Park. So like that iconic logo, like him and his team came up with that. So he did Jurassic Park the movie posters for like Schindler's List, Do the Right Thing, Coming to America, and most importantly, most distinctly, man, the biggest one for me, 
This dude designed the movie poster for Army of Darkness with uh, that gorgeous John Bolton illustration. You know, he, he hired John and they came up with the composition and the design. Tom put it all together, but I was like, holy shit, dude, you're the real deal. So Tom emailed me and said, hey, me and Ziggy have this project, this marijuana man thing, and we know your art, we like your art, we wanna meet with you and talk to you about um, a collaboration. I said, of course, so they showed up at my spot when I lived in Hollywood and they showed up and they're both like motorcycle guys, like racing motorcycles, like Kawasaki or whatever. I don't really, I'm not a motorcycle guy, so I don't know, but they were wearing like um, motorcycle suits, like body armor, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't even know what to describe it like, but it's like, they walked in like looking like stormtroopers. So I thought it was gonna be like Ziggy Marley, Rasta, like, but he walked in with like a helmet under his arm and wearing like a plastic armor body suit thing. So um, it was a trip. It was, it was a fucking trip to have like Bob Marley's son sitting on my shitty ink stained couch in my small, living room in my Hollywood apartment. And we got along great. He's super cool dude. Was going through my studio asking me about um, the different comic books I had, the records I was listening to, the artwork I was working on. Very curious, inquisitive, good dude, genuine person. And um, they pitched me this idea and I, I was like, I'm on board. This sounds like something that I need to get Joe Casey involved in to write. So they met with Joe as well. And then it was cool because like the way Joe and I made the book, he just came over one morning to my place and we just sat all day and he wrote the script on typing paper by hand, but like with um, actual layout. So he did like almost like Harvey P car style um, stick figure layouts for me, the panels and everything, and then just wrote the dialogue in by hand. So there was never like an official typed script for Marijuana Man. And while Joe was doing this, I was sitting there with my sketchbook designing all the characters and us riffing back and forth and listening to music. And it was cool, man. We knocked out a 48 page one shot in an afternoon. Showed this to Tom and Ziggy and they basically said, go for it. And I penciled, inked, and lettered the thing. Justin colored it. And it came out, and um, everyone was happy. We did a huge book release party on 420, April 20th, at the legendary Golden Apple Comic Shop on Melrose in LA. Huge fucking line of people down the block, man, when I showed up. I was so excited and thrilled when I got there. I was like, yeah, man, this is gonna be a good one. And uh, my buddy DJ Expo played records inside the shop during the event. It was um, catered, you know, there was food and booze in like a VIP area. I don't know how this happened because I was inside signing all day, but there was like a, someone had an edible marijuana cart set up in the back somewhere. And this was 2011 before it was fully legal in LA. So 
The signing was happening and my friends were there. The whole Marley family was there. People were getting loose. And most people wound up getting like very, very high, which is cool because it was 420 anyway. So it, it's all good. But it was it was like I was doing my work, signing and drawing in everyone's books. And then next thing I know, I look up and like everyone is just sort of smiling and laughing and fucked up in the comic shop <laughs> during the day. And this this kind of bled into the evening of um, all of us hanging out and red stripes were starting to come out, people drinking beer, smoking out. And um, it was just a fantastic celebration and event. And uh, I think Joe and Ziggy and I were signing all day and we all had our sunglasses on inside. It was like one of that, those kind of things. You know what I mean? Like, we're going for it. We're fucking partying. We're we're rockstarring it out tonight. Who gives who gives a shit? Like, we we deserve to have fun and just celebrate this uh, weird and magical project. So um, that was the shit, man. And and you know, Ziggy hired me to do live art in one of his music videos. I. I became like friends with him and his family in a way. They still send me a Christmas card every year. Um, and you know, obviously they come from this incredible lineage of, um, I just couldn't imagine like my dad being Bob Marley, like the pressure of that in a way, or it's like Bob Marley transcends rock star status, um, musical genius status. He he is a pop culture icon. I mean, he's like, you show a photo of Bob Marley to almost anyone in the world and they'll probably know who he is. Um, so having, you know, having dealings and interaction with, with this beautiful family and meeting Ziggy's brothers. And I mean, they're all uh, very, warm, smiley, beautiful, wonderful, magical people. And it, it it wouldn't surprise you because it's like, well, yeah, they come from the Marley genetics, you know? Um, but man, what a crazy, awesome experience. If you don't know about the book, the book is out there. You can score it on Amazon or whatever, but uh, it's an oversized hardcover one shot that I'm still happy with. And uh, shout outs to Ziggy, his wife, Orly, and their whole crew. And uh, what a fantastic ride, man. Let's get back into it.
screaming away America, America is killing its youth America, America is killing its youth
yeah, delicious grown-up beverage uh, before I take off. Get out there tonight, get loose, get crunk. Um, man, uh, what are we doing? Pet sounds in the key of D is what we just heard. Mashing up Jay Dilla with the Beach Boys Pet Sounds album. Fucking brilliant mix from uh, the UK-based producer Bullion. Came out in 2007. Definitely get that in your collection. Real, real nice stuff there. Suicide before that, of course, 1977 with their legendary track, Ghost Rider. You've all heard that one. Fucking love that track, man. That Suicide record is awesome. Uh, Suicide is Alan Vega and Martin Rev. Alan is a huge, was a huge old school comic book fanatic. Uh, the name of the band came from, um, there was a ghostwriter story called Satan Suicide. And Alan just took the suicide, put it as the name of their band. Pretty shocking and controversial name for a band at that time. I mean, I guess still, that still works for today as well. Um, they stood out from the punk scene because they were just two dudes who basically dressed in black leather, wore, you know, black sunglasses and went on stage and just played synthesizers and drum machines. No guitars, no... It had a punk aesthetic, but it was on some whole other shit. And Alan would also bring out this, like, eight-foot-long, huge fucking chain and beat the floor with the floor with like this chain and everyone in the audience would uh, freak out and like leave the room. So they, they, they just would fuck with people and scare people and they, they were out to make a statement for sure, which I think is so awesome, man. And I love that he, there's this comic book theme, theme kind of running through their stuff. There's another song on that, that record, um, Shari Shari, where he says, um, you know, she's my comic book fantasy. So there's all these little nods to stuff that, you know, I don't know if anyone else was referencing comic books in 77, but uh, Suicide, uh, distinct, original New York flavor. And that whole set started off with Helmet and House of Pain, just another victim from the Judgment Night movie soundtrack 1993 in the house man that was my freshman year of college and i distinctly remember going to the record store with mike huddleston and my crew and buying that album the day it came out um very strange and eclectic record uh the whole thing is you know mixing hip-hop groups with um metal with rock so it's like weird shit on there man like faith no more with booyah tribe and um sir mix-a-lot with uh mud honey slayer and ice tea uh, cypress hill and sonic youth run dmc and living color so i just re-listened to the whole record a couple days ago and it actually holds up it's a very strange and interesting piece of work um definitely worth a revisit and also just a very early 90s kind of throwback thing. Uh, House of Pain, man, always fun. I would, I ran into Everlast a couple times at various art shows in LA. He's a huge um, 
like art and toy collector guy, has fantastic taste, um, cool dude to chat with. He still hasn't bought one of my original pieces yet, so I'm kind of waiting for him to <laughs> hit me up and buy a painting. But um, yeah, Soul Assassins, that whole crew. Uh, that kind of rounds up this whole show. I gotta get out of here. Uh, you guys know where to find me. Jim Mahfood under Instagram, Twitter, all that bullshit, whatever. I feel like I don't need to sell you on anything. You know what to do. And spread the word. Have a good time out there. Take care of each other. I'll be talking to you in two weeks. And uh, keep it fresh mode. Thanks. See ya. You'd think after all this time, somebody come pick up his trash. Oh. <laughs>
Check this out. Yo, you go to your girl's house and I'll go to mine. Cause my girl is definitely mad cause it took us too long to do this EP. Yo, I hear what you saying. So let's just pump the music up and count our money. Yo, but check this out. Yo, Craig, smooth the bass out and just let the beat keep on rocking. And we out of here. Yo, Einstein, what happened to peace? Peace, 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 peace.